Hey listeners, this is Danielle. And Shelly. Shelly is a radical Dravidian and racial equity activist. And Danielle is a community mobilizer and changemaker. And this is the Medford Bites podcast. Every two weeks, we chew on the issues facing Medford and deliver bites of information about the city by lifting the expertise of our guests. Join us in discussion about what you hope for the future of Medford. And as always, tell us where you like to eat. All right, Shelly and I are here today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't mind just starting by introducing yourself, your name, pronouns, and, and who you are. Sure. Mayor Brianna Lungo-Kern. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm a mom, coach, and the mayor of Medford. A lot of hats. So if, you know, you've been on our podcast a couple times, but if you don't mind, maybe there's some updates to your answer to our usual question, but sharing what your favorite, your current favorite place to eat is in Medford and what you like to eat there. Sure. I think we have a lot of amazing spots in Medford, some that have been around for a long time and a few new ones. So I love Bocelli's, their salad and Haddock Marinara. And then I've been frequenting the Ford lately. Mm-hmm. So I did get like a seafood dish there that was was amazing and they have changed their menu a number of times to ch- try to they're working through it to make sure it's on par but i really enjoy the atmosphere and time i have at the ford yeah cool place i've seen them do a couple like events for where you can bring your kids and like program for kids it sounds cool yeah yes i'm actually my other hat is elsa might be there on the 21st they're doing a character mm-hmm. character dinner so wow Very nice. cool Kiddos. Yep. Lighting. Nice. Great. So we were hoping to kind of use this time to reflect a little bit on your state of the city speech. So if you want to share any highlights from what you shared that night, we'd love to hear them. And then maybe we can just have a little bit of a discussion around that. Sure. Sure. Yes. The state of the city address. I think my communications director, Steve, and assistant Emma and I did it, wrote a speech and it was probably say 15, 20 pages. So that it was really hard to narrow it down to a good 10 pages because that's about 25 minutes. But I think that just goes to show what I tried to highlight in the speech. I wanted to highlight all the amazing employees we have here, our department heads and everybody in City Hall and, and those who work outside of City Hall that are just doing amazing work in Medford. So that was what the speech was about, highlighting You know, everything that people have been doing, such as planning development and sustainability, you know, they're helping us with improving our business districts through the facade grant program. They are making sure we have charging stations that and that network continues to grow, that they, along with Todd Blake, our director of traffic and transportation, are making sure our blue bike network is growing and just got word yesterday from him that we're going to this year, 2023, we will be surpassing many communities with that, with our network. We have another multiple going in very soon. And then we just have plans to, we keep applying for grants and attaining grants and really getting strategic with some of the funding sources we have in the city, like the casino funds, the CDBG, CPA, ARPA, to do all we can. Sometimes it's the hardest thing is spending the money because there's so much work that goes into it, but we have such a great team here working hard. I highlighted you know, our DPW director and our city engineer, we're working on a number of street and sidewalk projects. We're 
crack ceiling, the 94 streets that were highlighted in our assessment with decades of, of backlog where we are doing the planning and not afraid to do the work. So you, that's one of the biggest complaints we get in the city, the streets and this, the roads are, you know, in deplorable condition and climate change is not helping with that, nor is the fact that we only really spent a million dollars a year on it. Also highlighted, you know, some good work going on in, in the school department, highlighted our need to go electric and hybrid for vehicles. We have three new police cruisers coming in that are going to be hybrid. We also going to work through our parking vehicles. Yep. I think I ended my speech too, just with accountability, you know, because for all the amazing employees we have here, part, part of my job during the day is changing the culture in Medford and holding people accountable. And it, that's not, that's not easy whatsoever. And people are, you know, Obviously, people that I'm holding accountable aren't happy, and that brings some of the picketing-type situations you see outside my door, but it's something that I think the residents and the community deserve. You know, if you want to work here, we, we'd love to have you, and all, you, all we want is a good day's worth of work, and then go home to your families, but, but you have to come to work. You have to do your job. You have to be professional, and that's what we're trying to do, professionalize the organization and feel like we've come a really long way. and. I'm really proud of the team that we're putting together to take care of all of our resident business needs. Thank There's some know. highlights. I could probably go on and on, but. I mean, for sure. At high level, a lot of the state of the city, to me, felt like a conversation of pursuing best practice for the ecosystem that is the city and the kind of growing pains that are necessary in order to get there. And of course, Everyone will have their own sort of stake in the outcome and the messiness of juggling, keeping everybody a little happy and everybody not happy at the same time. I don't know. That kind of felt like a takeaway for me. It's a hard job. Yeah. It's like a lot lot of competing interests too. And yeah, I think, you know, we did, we listened on Zoom, so we couldn't hear the honking, but we heard you talking about it. And it was like, you know, I'm sorry to hear. I I think, uh, sorry, I guess I'm wondering sort of, I think, you know, I think the, the purpose of the state of the city is celebratory. Like it sounds like it was a way for you to thank your staff and thank all the people that have been involved in all the hard work in the last year. I wonder if you think about kind of hopes for the coming year, sort of like what you see as things that you want to like see some progress in or see some change, kind of what your goals are there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that just goes along with some of the highlights too, you know, for three years, we set a lot of goals. I feel like we've that was one of the speeches about too. Because of the staff, we've been able to meet those goals and we just continue to make new ones and continue to push through. So my chief of staff, along with the fire chief, I set out day one to make sure that our fire department personnel have places to work in that are safe and welcoming and live to the standards that they should. So we've done 20 plus projects, about a million and a half dollars worth of work on things like windows, roofs, kitchens on all all of our fire stations. We've also been working very hard on the fire headquarters, which we do have an OPM that has been hired, owner's project manager. We are working through, we did pick an architect working through a contract now. We'll eventually go out to Bond to do, most likely, I think they're going to recommend a brand new station. So you know, people are saying we're stalling. We are not stalling. It's just a ton of work. And we are actively working through getting that contract signed so we can move forward. So we're hoping to see breaking ground in the next, you know, year, year and a half and getting that project through the finish line. And that 
my chief of staff started with that role when she came in as special project manager. It was fire stations, and then she was working with our procurement department. That's something that we're very proud of that we're working on and we're going to continue to work on. Then we also have, you know, our parks were kind of, be, they were neglected as well. We would have like every five years, prior administrations did a great job making sure to redo like one park at a time. And I just thought coming in, knowing there was CDBG money from 2014 and on that just wasn't spent. We had an opportunity there and the personnel we have in place now, I set out, we set a committee, we put a committee together of in, internal staff to make plans, figure out what needed to be done to create surveys, get, gain public input, have open public meetings. And we've been able to do that. So once a month we meet and we have a list of a hundred projects. Some are complete, like the new tennis courts at Duggar Park, new basketball courts at Playstead and Barry Park. We are going to break ground on Morrison Park this year, this, this spring, summer. That's over $400,000 project for new place structure. We're going to break ground on Gillis Park, which is an over a million dollar project. For it, that started because it's inaccessible. We want to make sure that that park's accessible to all, but it's turned into a project where there'll be, you know, new baseball field and accessible entrances, well as, you know, exercise equipment. Then we're going to be breaking ground on Car Park, which is a multi-million dollar project. Super excited about it. That's been our baby for, for several, you know, a year and a half now. We've gained great community feedback. So we're very excited about that. But we have we have a list of fifty other projects, smaller smaller in size, that we're working on, and to to get all that work done takes a te team effort, a lot of hard work. So exciting to see all that you know, all the planning come to fruition. You'll start seeing a lot of groundbreakings and ribbon cuttings, and continue mm -hmm. on, on with that path. Yeah, yeah. Car park is our local park, our home park. So I'm excited about that. Well, I'm thinking I'm finding you. Yeah. So I I also I also heard the McGlynn Playground's getting a. A whole new revamp. Yes, exciting. The playground is exciting too. There's a, a great committee working hard to gain the funding and helping on the funding end. And Dr. Cushing's been really great leading that charge. So we're very excited. It's long overdue, especially with the flooding that, that is going on over in that mm -hmm. area. So yeah. drainage comes first and the new park for all of our kids and the whole community. Sure. Yeah, I wonder too if this is a good way to transition to talking about the schools and some of the stuff, you know, you know, obviously happening in the high school. And I think something that you've talked about for a while is um, the state of the high school and sort of future plans for how to address that. And I wonder like about how that maybe connects to some of the budget stuff. So we've talked about like ARPA being a temporary fund, sort of what you're hoping for, like as we emerge from COVID and, you know, different ideas of how, like how, what, what revenue will look like or how we'll think, how you'll think about like funding for some of those big things. Sure. Yeah. We before we recorded, we were talking about Mr. Murphy. I he is actually staying on with the city. He had a big part along with our superintendent to make sure that we did the proper studies to be able to put forth the best best application we could to the MSBA. So we submitted that last year, and we did the walkthrough, which I was present for last year. They they funded seventeen new high schools. This year they funded ten, and we fell between the 10 and 14 mark, unfortunately. But the good news, which we're super excited about, is that we are getting ready. We're going to submit again, which is the application is due in April. And fingers crossed, it sounds like we have a really good opportunity here. So once we hopefully get good news in the fall, then we will start the public campaign, put a committee together to 
help with the process and start a public campaign because we're going to need a debt exclusion to be able to fund a new high school. I know Attleboro High School is in the 300 million range. So the taxpayers did vote for debt exclusion to help fund that. And I truly feel that Medford residents are ready and able and willing to. It's time. It's time for our first debt exclusion that I'm aware of. And it's something I'll be actively, actively pushing for because our students deserve a flagship school that they can be proud of, they feel safe in, it has proper air conditioning and heat. And we're struggling there. You know, we've spent some ARPA dollars on different projects and there's ESSER funding that we've been using, but that high school needs a remit it needs it as soon as possible. So yeah. fingers crossed and we're going to keep doing whatever we can to make that come become a reality. Did you say what a debt exclusion is? I'm not sure I've heard that term before. Yeah, a debt exclusion is something that the taxpayers will have to vote on. It will have to passed by more than 50% of the voters and a, a debt exclusion will drop once the project's paid for. So an override is something that would last in for eternity, but a debt exclusion would, would drop off. Taxpayers, property taxpayers would pay a certain amount per year until that project was complete. So a temporary raise in, maybe not taxes, but temporary raise in what property. we would... Tempor temporary raise in taxes, but that would fall once the project's paid for. So you're, you're so taxpayers who are voting for, do you agree with a debt exclusion to build a new high school? Wow. We are an override, which we are, you know, kind of gathering the data for and doing forecasting, budgetary forecasting for if we did a three, five, six million dollar override, that would be every year forever. Yeah. We'd get that additional funding. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't hold that difference. I didn't know that. Yeah. And there's discussion, you know, between the council and myself, there has been on the need for an override and, and we know we need a new high school. So that's just a delicate topic that I just really want to make, I want to make that decision myself through the data. So that's what we're doing now. We're, we're forecasting, we are getting ready to figure out what is needed and we can't do anything to jeopardize a new high school. And now everybody knows it's just, it's with inflation, it's, it's tough. You know, I get People will want an override and then I'll, the next email will be, I can't afford the, to heat my house. So mm. it's a delicate balance, ability, people's ability to pay and the need of the city. So mm. I see the need, you know, I see the, the five to 10 positions we've put in place with our opera dollars and how that has helped this move the city forward. So I see both sides and I want to just make the best decision for our taxpayers, for the city that I can make. So. That's just something we are exploring and um, trying to figure out what, what the right answer is. We have a little time because our the revenue replacement funding that we can use through ARPA, we have that for another two budgets. And if we didn't override right now, the override money would come in and it would just reduce what we'd be able to use for revenue replacement. So mm -hmm. it makes it does make sense to, if we do need an override, to, to make sure that that, that kicks in once opera dollars fall. Mm -hmm. Doing it now might hamper what we could even use for revenue replacement. Yeah. I've also heard you talk about like different development happening around the city. Are there, are there other sources of revenue that you're hoping will kind of start to show up? The, the main one we're working on and counting on is our new growth. So that's what hopefully will kick in, not this fiscal budget that will start July 1, fiscal year 24. By fiscal year 25 is when I'm expecting to see 
we'll see some in 24, but I'm expecting to see a whole lot of new growth in fiscal year 25. And fingers crossed, like some projects may stall a bit because of the economy, but we are working on the acres and acres of land above the Wellington Tea parking lot, which can be a multi, you know, million dollar project. Great for our community. Tea, tea centered, you know, that cre create multi-use for hopefully housing and commercial and life science and restaurants. Then we also have the 40B developer who changed his scope a bit. And we have a billion dollar project proposed for Mystic Ave with commercial on the bottom floor and life science buildings. Then we're also working on our two other 40Bs, which will be one we've negotiated with, and they've already gone back to the ZBA. That will add an additional, I believe, 350 units, 25% of which will be affordable. And that's on Mystic Valley Parkway, somewhat behind Wegmans. And we also have one on the Fells Way. We have our Four negotiated community host agreements, three with retail marijuana sales, one with a cultivation. He's already broke ground. They're on Mystic Ave. So you'll, you'll see the Art Center hopefully in the next year. Then you have one on Riverside Ave. You also have big developments across from where Sanctuary will go on Riverside Ave. That's 400. Under Riverside Ave, that's going to be a potential research and development location along with 15 Sycamore which will also be research and development. And that's, that's just to name maybe five, six, seven projects out of the, like the 30 that we're working mm -hmm. on. But Medford Square is a big one. We have an mm -hmm. MAPC working with us, doing a community-driven, a final community-driven approach to hopefully get an RFP out on one, two, or three of those lots mm -hmm. by it, it sometime in 2023, the sooner the better. I'm also working with a consultant to work on the waterfront right in Bedford Square, all the way down to Sleepy Hollow, which will be more recreational. I see like water art and mm -hmm. a dock and maybe a, a location for our seniors to go and residents mm -hmm. during the day, a place where we could have a beer garden. Maybe I see the mm -hmm. doors swinging open to like a natural play area. So the kids could be there too. Nice wall, maybe with, with art, beautiful art on it. And then go down to Sleepy Hollow through, from the walkway and potentially a dog park. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So those designs, those designs, that's my vision, but obviously they're designing that now through meetings we've had, and then we'll put that out to the public to get input. Mm -hmm. But yeah. 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 The the one other budget thing I remember hearing about over the summer was sort of the, we, you know, we, like you mentioned a little bit about the teacher contracts, but I wonder if there's like, so when you go to renew their contracts in several years, will there be like, how are you thinking about like the sort of continued increase in that budget as far as yeah we settled the contract and that that's what, what i did do i think i mentioned it a bit ago we mm -hmm. i offered we offered the three percent to add an additional year to the contract to, like i said to help settle things down and get them that you know good three percent which is when i feel we'll have the new growth to be able to to afford that we had some of the retro came out of the fiscal year 22 budget. Some will come out of this budget. I think it's a balancing act now because we have another number of units that we're negotiating with and, and they, they want, you know, they want the same as what the teachers got, which is something that I'm trying to work with finance on to see what we have the ability to afford because we want to do what's best for our employees and be as fair as we possibly can. But at the same time, we have budget restraints and we had a tough budget 
gap last year and we have we're going to have another tough one like i said fiscal year 24 is not going to be any easier that's why you're going to that's another reason you'll see the pickets out there too i'm trying to do what's best for our employees while trying to make sure we can afford it and that we're not cutting other services to be able to afford it that our taxpayers deserve so that's where the forecasting and the budgeting has come into play and we are well in advance of where we were last year with the budget. It's we're working on that now. We have a great CFO who came on board. We were out one for 11 months. We have a great budget, new budget director that came on board. But that's, that's some of the city struggles. There's lack of finance personnel that people are just not going into government. Uh, so the state is actually working on an, like an apprenticeship program for assessors because there's a lack of assessors out there. And through DLS, we're able to request that one of these apprentices, once they're trained, that they come to our, our community and, and help work in the department, get gain the training so that we have more assessors in the field overall. And that's paid for by the state. So that's how, that's how tough it is to find an assessor. Mm-hmm. And then city solicitor, same boat like Somerville has, is looking for four more. We are having a tough time hiring anybody with any experience as a city solicitor. Thankfully, we have outside lab- outside council that has been great and really helped move this city forward. But we're just struggling in a few areas where I know other communities are too. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, maybe coming about tops. So I am one hundred percent unaware of the details of any of this conversation, but I also often find myself wondering about the relationship between Tufts University and the city of Medford and what that means for just space and property and taxes, and in addition, what it means for our families to feel sort of served by their programming, and then later on as kids get older, for our kids to feel like they belong on a college campus and that college belongs to their future if should they want it, and et cetera, et cetera. It sort of tethers into the high school, and we have scientifically, educationally, digitally advanced high school. What does that mean for who gets pulled into the city? Yeah. they're, They're all combined, but I wondered if you had thoughts. Yeah, Tufts increased their pilot payment to the city in 2019 or 2020 to it was around the 200,000 mark and they have been very they've been great always providing that now $450,000 check to the city. So they pay that annually. They were amazing amazing to us through COVID. You know, they were the ones that helped us set up the all that you saw in the schools with the testing. So like mm-hmm. for that, I'm forever thankful. They're pretty good about telling us ahead of time with any development details and they will work with us and have community meetings that they're doing it for a few homes. They're redevelopment now. They also just had a community meeting of dormitory they're proposing on Boston Ave. Yeah. And I, we, you know, we have a really good relationship. I know that more needs to probably be done with a full pilot. We just, that's one thing that I str- worked with the committee on to try to, to, to try to get that um, organized. It's kind of on my to-do list, mm-hmm. but they, they don't have written pilots with Boston. I don't, I don't, not sure if they have one with Somerville. So it's one of those things where you could have a full agreement or you can just get there yearly. They do almost a magazine where they show all the community benefits that they provide tutoring mm-hmm. community day so i know they're doing they're doing what they've always done at least but always willing to hear from the community members and what else you want to see from tufts because i do always propose different ideas to them and ask them for help 
like we we had a pre-meeting for after everything that happened in Martha's Vineyard, we had a pre-meeting in Medford, you know, internally in Medford, you know, let's get ready in case this happens to in Medford. And and right away when I asked Tufts, I'm like, Tufts, would you be able to house if this happened to us, would you be able to help us? And they said, Absolutely. We have a dorms. We have a dorm that's not being utilized. We are we are in. We are here to help you here in Somerville if this ever does happen. So they re- sometimes they say no to certain things, but they really have been a great, great partner to work with. Mm. I would love to see a resident a membership to their gym. <laughs> they do for they do for, for the local. Yeah, they do for the surrounding neighborhood, but I don't it's not something that's available to every resident. Yeah. I guess I have to move, I guess. <laughs> Move closer Move to South Bedford. No, don't <laughs> leave us. Don't leave us in the Heights, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> we got car park coming. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Great. Well, anything well, else that you want to make sure to mention before we wrap up? No, I, I think, you know, there's doing this job is is tough, you know, and never can make everybody happy. And I know there's narratives out there on a number of things and some things I can't talk about if it's like personnel related. So that that part's hard because the, the the narrative is one sided, and I can't give my, you know, take on it. But I think I said it in my speech. You know, there's certain things that I just won't tolerate. You know, I won't tolerate racism. I won't tolerate abuse. I won't tolerate. You know, just there's there's things I won't tolerate. So like I do, I do hold people accountable. I think that's what the community deserves. And sometimes I can't explain my side, which was which is tough. But like I said, in, in said on Wednesday, just please trust me. Like if we're doing things for reasons, we're always checking with council before we, we do things and we're trying to do what's best on from on every issue we deal with. So that's mm-hmm. just something, you know, it's hard to not be able to give your side on things, but um, I really appreciate the time here today to, you know, let you know some of the great things going on in Medford and highlight the speech. And I'm glad we've settled with the teachers and things seem to be going very well in the school. And our kids are very important to us. So thank you. Yeah, we actually, I didn't mention it yet, but it seemed intentional and we really appreciated seeing the presence of three women, three of our like female city officials. Oh, I texted Daniel, I go, are you seeing this? Do you realize that all women and mothers are running this tonight? Yeah, that's why I asked. That's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons why I asked him like, this would be great. We have a president that's, you know, female of the council. We have the vice chair's female and i i'm like i think it'll be great so I, when i asked them and they were like yes right away i was like this is gonna be awesome yeah. and then terry terry started us off with a beautiful beautiful poem and he's always he's amazing he's our poet laureate through the fiscal year so we'll be doing the application process he had a two-year term we'll be doing the application process for him to pass the torch july 1 love it Thanks. Yep. Working on a beautiful mural, art mural at Wright's Pond that will be painted in June and hopefully during the season opening. So the kids will be able to watch it get painted. So a lot of great things. A lot of great things. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Looking forward to it. And thanks for joining us again. And hopefully yep. we'll talk to you in the future. Happy to. Yeah, happy to. Have a great weekend. Stay warm. Yeah. Stay warm, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. The Medford Bites podcast is produced and moderated by Danielle Balaka and Chelly Kesherman. Music is made by Hendrik Idanis. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. You can reach out to us by email at medfordpod at gmail.com, or you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.
Guys, what's the name of the podcast? Never bites. Never bites. Go <laughs> dog.